Spread number love all over the globe. It's the Vibe Show Podcast with your boy Kano the Don, the Vibe King. And we have a special guest joining us on the show today. I'm talking about American journalist, hip-hop and rap writer, author, director, producer. This man wears plenty, plenty hats, man. Screenwriter, the one and only Mr. Soren Baker. What it do, Mr. Baker? Yes, yes. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Oh yes, definitely, man. This is this is this is big right here, man. You you a legend, man. Well, you know, I'm trying to get there, trying to get the legendary status. Oh man, you definitely got it. You definitely got it. All, all somebody got to do is type in your name, man, and they'll see all of the all of the history, man. I mean, it's it's just an amazing, an amazing, amazing resume, man. Seriously. Well, I appreciate it, man. I've been putting in a lot of work, and uh, you know, just trying to build this thing to where you know i get to live all my dreams man I'm, i've achieved a lot of them but i'm working on getting to the next level absolutely I, I definitely um it's it's got to be a special uh it's so many different special moments with you man like just the experience alone and all of the history um it's just it's just amazing man you know i, I want to um I want to I want to thank you first before we get into it again for me and the vibe team. I want to thank you for taking time out of your super busy schedule because I know you always tied down, man, and busy running around. And I want to thank you, man, for taking giving us a little time, you know? No, nah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. So look, let's let's dive into it. I know we don't have a lot of time, but we got some time, so we want to try to cover as much as we can. Um now you went to Xavier University. Are you are you originally from Louisiana or from Maryland? No, I'm from. I went to the Xavier in Ohio, Cincinnati. Ah. But but I've been to the one in in New Orleans uh, just to go there to the campus and stuff. Because uh, there was a when I was going to Xavier University in Ohio, there was a student journalism. Uh, conference in New Orleans. So when I was there, because of the name and because of everything I knew about Xavier and its uh, high academic reputation, I went there because gotcha. I wanted to see it. Right. And, uh, so I did not attend there, but I have been on campus a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> got you, got you. Okay, now I just want to give the um, the fans and um, your fans and, and the listeners I just want to uh, give them just a little bit of history real quick um, about what you were doing like before this. Has it always been an interest for um, being a journalist? Well, my first interest was really rap. Um, I fell in love with rap when I was 10, and by the time I was 12, I realized I wanted to do something in the rap world. Right. But I grew up in I grew up in Maryland, and both my parents are teachers, and <clears throat> neither one of them had any contacts to the music industry or even knew somebody that knew somebody. And then, of course, Maryland at the time, other than Go Go, in D.C., we didn't have a music scene or any music industry per se. So I had to kind of figure it out. Right. And I always had an interest in the news because growing up in Maryland, being about 20 miles from Baltimore, 20 miles from D.C., 
the local news for us was the national news because of the government. Right. So I was always interested in what was going on in the world and society. And fortunately, both my parents, you know, were big into reading and into newspapers. So I kind of merged or thought about <clears throat> trying to blend my love for rap with my interest in journalism and the news. And then, you know, my parents got me a subscription to The Source when I was in high school. And it helped mm -hmm. because I was able to read The Source, but then just fortunately, the Washington Post in particular covered a lot of rap when I was growing up. So I got to see that rap was being covered in a major newspaper, but I also got to see through the write-ons, the word-ups, the sources at the time, that rap was also being covered in magazines. And that was exciting to me because that was something that I thought I could do because I didn't know or believe I could work at a label being in Maryland and I didn't, you know, pursue being a rapper. Right. So, or a producer because there was nobody to make music with and I didn't have any equipment. So right. then I was like, well, let me try to be a writer. And that's fortunately it worked out. Oh yeah, it 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 definitely worked out, man. So now that that's funny that you say that because um, going from reading the source to actually being one of the top editors over there on the magazine, how did that all transition? And and how did you feel um, going from reading to actually being a writer inside of the magazine? At that time, it was just the top magazine out. Oh, yeah, it was crazy because when I was in college, I had done a story in Everybody's News, which was the daily free newspaper in Cincinnati on a DJ named DJ ICD. And he was a guy that I got to know, and he just told me, he's like, look, man, you write really well. Um, would you ever want to write for The Source? And at this time, I'd already been writing for Rap Sheet and a few other places nationally, but I was like, of course. Like, I'd, I'd love to write for The Source. Why are you asking? He's like, oh, my man, who's man Sam, does street promotion, and he's going to be in Cincinnati, whatever it was, like, in a few days. He's like, you should come with me and meet him. Wow. So I just flew I photocopied some of my articles and I put them in this little manila folder and I brought them to meet with DJ ICD and Usman Sam. And Usman was like, I gave him my articles and he read them, or a few of them at least, right there on the spot. And he was like, man, he's like, you're still in college? And I was <laughs> like, mm. at the time I would have been like 20 probably or 19. And he was like, yo, man, we really need you at the source. You're, like, doing great articles. So I was all excited. And he's like, I'm going to give you to the editor, man, but they're going to be hitting you up. They're going to hit you up. And they did. <laughs> so <Wow. laughs> it was amazing because that was the first magazine that I really read on a regular basis as far as covering rap. And then it was amazing because the first time the first interview I did was with Abe and MJG for On Top of the World album. And when I interviewed him, Abe Ball was on the phone. And it was just so funny because uh, he was like, people in the background were making noise. He's like, yo, yo, <laughs> be quiet, man. I'm on the phone with the source. Right, right. And I just remember thinking, like, obviously he didn't. I got to know Abe Ball later through interview on the 
paintballing MJG probably a dozen times and just, you know, seeing him around and hanging out with him a little bit. But it was just funny that to be on the phone with the source was such a big deal to him, but it was probably a bigger deal to me at the time. So it was right. just one, that I was getting to talk to Ball and MJG, and then two, the fact that it was the source and I was, you know, talking to me was a big deal. It wasn't because of me, it was because of the source. It right, just right. made me feel, you know, really excited. Like I was, I had been living my dream, but this was like another layer and another step of living the dream in a major way. Right, a, a whole nother level, man. That's 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 funny, man. I, I um I interviewed um I interviewed A Ball and MJG as well, man. And it it was it was amazing, man. They they some real humble guys, man. And and um it's crazy Absolutely. because like they still in a way don't really know how legendary they are, man. Like they 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 still don't really like embody it, like. And I just thought that that was amazing that um, that they still was humble after everything and all the accomplishments that they've accomplished, you know, to date. Absolutely, man. But that's why it's really exciting to <clears throat> get to know them over the years and try to, through my writing, to explain that to people because I interviewed them. That was for the source, but I'd also written about them in the L.A. Times and try to get them in places that they had never been in before because I think their music's that good right. and I was able to, I was able to do it and I think they're one of they're easily one of the best rap groups of all time and people really need to they're not familiar they should really do themselves a favor and go back and look at that resume cuz musically they're phenomenal absolutely <clears throat> and 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 as a duo they're even better like it's just it's it's really amazing it's really, really amazing. So much history there. Over 3,500 articles published, man. That's work. Yeah, man. I, I, I get busy, man. <laughs> Stay busy. You know, just, just looking up um, things on you, I thought that was uh, interesting. I think that you have been around, interviewed, or did something with, with absolutely every big person in the game that you could possibly think of dating all the way back? Uh, almost all of them. There's, uh, you know, now, unfortunately, some of the newer people I would want to interview, I haven't yet, but that's also because a lot of them actually don't do interviews. Right. But, you know, for the most part, the answer is yes. I've been fortunate enough um, to interview almost everybody that I've ever wanted to you know, a few people I didn't get to because I was too young in the game and they were too big at the time. Right. Because when, when I first started, it wasn't like I was interviewing Biggie and Tupac my first year writing. You know, you got to work your way up to that. So, right. unfortunately, I got to see Biggie perform in Baltimore and I got to see Tupac as part of Digital Underground, but I never got to, like, interview them, for instance. But a lot of the other people that I've wanted to other than notably Easy E, I got to pretty much interview and meet so far, and that's been a you know it's been a blessing. How how was how did you transition from just being this kid with this vision um, and this ultimate love and passion for for the hip hop game? How did how did you transition to the point to where you got comfortable around? 
people that you you always admired or loved their music, how did you transition just to be able to maintain or did or, or were you just that that humble to the point to where you kind of like kind of got out of um the starstruck stuff? Well, I still get excited to see people that I know till today. So, I don't think that part's ever left me because I love the music so much, right. but I'm also in general very laid back and you know, a lot of people would just say, oh, man, you're just so cool. So my thing is I just wanted to talk to the artists and be able to ask them a lot of questions and learn from them and better understand how and why they made their music. So to me, that was the exciting part. But <clears throat> to meet or be around people was never, uh, I don't know, it never was too different for me. It was just more that I was excited, and right. my my excitement would come through, I think, with the passion that I had, and that's how I think I've been able to become friends with a lot of the artists that I grew up admiring, and, you know, Dana Dane is a prime example. Like, I'd interviewed him several times over the years. He was on the first tape that I ever got that had rap on it, and Nightmares was on that tape because it had just come out. And to actually go to where I'm friends with him now and we are working on projects together and we talk just to talk and hang out and go to eat and stuff and go over each other's places and everything, it's it's amazing. But it's also because, like, the level of admiration and respect I have for these guys as artists and then the ones I do know personally, on a personal level, same with Exhibit. Right. Like, those two are two guys that I would consider my friends probably more than anybody else, but they really, I've gotten to be, you know, have a real personal relationship with both of them. And it's just been amazing because, you know, these are dudes that, you know, were established in the game. And then I, I was getting, Exhibit was a little different because he was emerging and getting on when right. I was getting to be friends with him and cool with him. Right. But, you know, I think it's because I always approach so much about the music. You know, I don't worry about who they're messing with at the time, yeah, what they're doing in yeah. their life, unless that's what they talk about in their music, then I'll ask them about it. But I right. don't just be asking people stuff that doesn't really have anything to do with their music because that's why I'm there. You know, I love the music, and I love what they talk about, and I want to know about that and where it comes from and why they do what they do. And I think the artist can see that in me and understand that because I've had it happen, you know, dozens of times, hundreds of times where people will be like, man, he's so cool. Or man, nobody's ever asked me that. Or man, how do you know all that stuff about rap? Or man, how do you remember all that stuff about my career? Yeah. Um, <laughs> people, LL Cool J's told me that to a new artist has told me that. So it's been the whole spectrum of artists, you know? So it's just, that's why I think, it's been so amazing to me to be able to live that. Jay-Z's told me things like that. It's just um, because I love the music. Like, I love it. Right, I was so, just about to say that, man. I think, I think too, that, you know, it's, it's different with you, like you said, because, like, you really love it, you know, and you're really still a fan of the music as well. 
which makes it that more better because it's like you're really like you say you're there interested in you know the creating part of it uh what space you were in when you actually thought of this song or you know and 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 they're not really used to that they they used to getting all type of other stuff and i guess that's kind of why especially now in today's time where a lot of the um a lot of them they don't like to do interviews because they feel like they 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 walking into a trap or they they're being um you know misled or something they come there for one thing and then they they you know get asked all type of stuff about their personal life and and you know all of the craziness or whatever so we just living in some crazy times now back then was um a totally different totally different thing then i think it was more organic then yeah because i think of course it wasn't always the case or it wasn't just this but you know i I noticed as time went on there were fewer and fewer people i would meet that were quote-unquote journalists that were really about the music they were about the things that came with being in the music industry whether that was you know, hanging out with the artist or going to a party or getting a T-shirt or getting a trip or whatever it was, that's why they were really in it. Right. And I could tell that very quickly because of what they talked about or what they were interested in, whereas I was there to interview the artist. That's why I was excited. Like, it didn't matter to me. Any of that other stuff, of course, is nice and that's cool, but I was there because I love rap first and foremost, and the other stuff was just a bonus, whereas they were there for the bonuses to me. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. So, you know, I think that is unfortunate, but that's that's what it was and what it remains. Right, oh, yeah, absolutely. Man, um, the the NWA um, experience, man, can we tap on that for a little bit? I mean, it's so many different ones, man, Ice Cube, NWA. How, How was it covering those stories, man? Well, uh, I've gotten, other than Easy e I've gotten to know and meet and talk to and interact and in some cases work with all of the dudes, MC Ren in particular, and, well, really, actually, Dre, Cube, and Ren, like, I know pretty well, and I've, you know, spent personal time with them as well as professional time. Yellow is the one I know the least, but I have met and uh, interviewed him and hung out with him a couple of times as well. But, you know, Cube, Ren, and Dre, I've had a lot of interaction with both personally and professionally. And it's really uh, amazing because those three guys in particular, you know, helped popularize gangster rap in a way that, you know, Ice-T... Schooly D created Gangsta Rap. Ice-T really got it big. And then N.W.A. like kicked in the door and made it to where it is. And they also, you know, through Fuck the Police, really showed mainstream America, white America, and America that's not familiar with, especially the poor black experience in America, what was going on with police brutality in a way that I think most people just weren't either paying attention to, didn't care about, or were just unaware of. Right. And they made that song in 88, and unfortunately, it's 2019, and that that scenario, that situation is still around. Everybody knows that, obviously, unfortunately, in Louisiana, and that's just the reality still. And these dudes were talking about this in 88. Right. As was Schooly D, as was Ice-T. And that's... uh, 
you know, very powerful. And then, of course, Cube in particular, out of those three, went on with America's Most Wanted and Kill It Will and Death Certificate in particular and released, in my opinion, with Death Certificate, the best gangster rap album ever, Right. which I talk about extensively in my book, The History of Gangster Rap. And just to really, with Cube, more than Dre and Ren, um, I, you know, rode around with him, been hung out with him so many times and had on and off the record conversations with him about American society and our place in the world and the, you know, all the atrocities that the government has afflicted on, on black people since they were brought here in the United States. And it's been amazing to hear these records and then really talk, you know, with Ice Cube, with MC Ren and with Dr. Dre about a lot of these topics. And it's just been a, amazing to grow up in Maryland listening to NWA and Eazy-E and then getting to know all of them except Eazy-E and really realizing, like, man, these guys, beyond being great rappers and beyond being, you know, pioneers of the game, they're also, in person, super thoughtful and articulate and intelligent in ways that I think a lot of people don't understand or appreciate. Right. And that, that's been amazing, like, when I interviewed MC Ren for my book and for my Unique Access Entertainment YouTube channel, he was just like, yo, why don't you just come to the house? Come on. Like, I'm like, you know, if you go on YouTube and look at Unique Access Entertainment, my interviews with MC Ren, like, he just was like, yo, just come over. I got it and pulled up right now. Yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs> it's dope, that, man. That he would just be like, yo, come to the house. And right. then, like, you know, talking to Dre over the last couple of years about a project that hopefully he and I are, are working on with Snoop Dogg, it's just crazy that, you know, Dr. Dre will call me sometimes and we'll talk about this thing we're trying to do. Like, that's wild. And then, you know, a lot of the stuff I've done with Cube to where, you know, we've met um, or, you know, he's needed to do something. He's like, yo, you mind riding around with me? And I was like, of course not. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> It's just wild, man. It's just wild because I think I have the utmost respect for all those guys and then to get to know them to the degree that I do is pretty, you know, I've just been very fortunate, man. Real blessed. Now, you, you, you've also, um, you've worked on some television programs as well. Um, VH1, yep. Fuse, um, several other, other um, programs. How did how how did that transition come in? Um, in the process of doing everything else that you were doing, was that to expand in a way, or that's always oh, yeah, been a vision? I've always had an interest in moving. Well, once I got started writing and getting into the game, I had an interest in expanding into film and television because I love both of them, and I wanted to try to bring my love for rap into those things. And I'd spoken on a panel. In, at UCLA, and basically several years later, the guy, one of the guys I was on the panel with that I got to be cool with named Dan Epstein, he had a uh, for VH1. So I had to ask him, like, who do you know that could do this MSN for us because we don't know anybody? He was like, oh, it's called Soren Baker. And that was a, a beautiful thing and that really helped catapult me into doing some of the 
stuff is what the VH1 Ultimate albums on Eminem Commercial Matters LP and then uh, that led to doing some DVDs with Tech 9 and Kingy and other things wow sorry about that man it's all good that okay and then it's just crazy man like it just it goes on and on and on you know and then um your love for sports you went yeah. on to um to do a couple pieces for um for in for NFL and you covered the Ravens what was the interest with the Ravens out of all the teams well I just grew up in Maryland and uh my mom is from DC but and so I grew up like in the Redskins but when Dan Snyder bought him and started treating him like a fantasy team <laughs> and disrespecting a lot of the players that I grew up admiring. That was disappointing. Right. And uh, and then the Ravens came around the same time. And since I grew up right between Baltimore and D.C., I was just like, man, let me ride with the Ravens because, you know, Dan Snyder's running this franchise into the ground. And, you know, thankfully – history shows I made the right pick because, man, I was, it was just disheartening, man. You know, we had Doug Williams and, you know, yeah. the first black quarterback to play in and then to win the Super Bowl when I was growing up. That was like an amazing accomplishment. And then, you know, Grambling connection and everything. But then to see that a lot of the guys that I liked and respected as players that never got in any trouble, that were just model citizens from, outside looking in, you know, Dan Snyder really disrespected a lot of them, both seemingly and in the public. So I was like, you know what, let me move on to these Ravens, man. And then the Ravens just have an amazing history and legacy as well with, you know, Ozzie Newsom in particular being at the time the highest ranking uh, black man in professional sports and the first black general manager in football. You know, that was just something that was exciting to see and then you know his first two picks made it to the hall of fame and right. you know ed reed ed reed and other louisiana connections about to make it in about to make it in this year so you know it was, it was just exciting and then i just love the fact that the ravens prided themselves on defense and like playing hard yeah. you know a lot of the ravens even when they would struggle or even when they didn't have a good team, you know, the defense always played hard. And I know from watching football my whole life and basketball in particular that, you know, that doesn't always happen. <laughs> so, <Now> you know it. <laughs> you know, that's what something I always was prideful of is that, you know what, the Ravens, they're going to lose sometimes or even a lot of the time on the down years, but they're always going to try hard. And that's something that I always, you know, I'm not – always going to be the best writer i'm not the best writer but i'm always going to do my best to try to you know write a good article and that's why you know i really identify with what the ravens do and stand for in a lot of ways so right. that's why you know they're from where i'm from but then also they embody a lot of the same principles and ideas that you know i try to do right what you know it, it's got to be a good feeling man because you've been interviewed as well, you know, for all of your accomplishments and hard work that you've put in over the years and to be um, interviewed, man, by Rolling Stones, uh, I mean, ESPN, a lot of these big 
um, networks, man, interviewed you? Like, how, how was that experience? How did that make you feel, you know, just to be appreciated like that? No, it's cool, man. Like, I love it because at first I used to turn that stuff down, and then my friends were like, man, are you crazy? You need to get your exposure. Because I never got into this stuff to be famous. I got right. into it because I love the music. But as I was getting more into it and as everything was evolving the way that it has, I realized that, you know, in order to maintain and sustain myself, I had to be more visible to the people that weren't in the industry itself. Um, and one way to do that is to do interviews when you get asked to do them. Right. Um, so I've been trying to be more open to that and, and trying to do more of those type of things because I realized the importance of it. But, you know, I realized I had to look at myself as an artist in a lot of ways as opposed to strictly a journalist. And right. that's been, you know, a key development for me in order to keep progressing. Because, you know, people get excited. Oh, man, I saw you on ESPN. Or, oh, man, I saw you on VH1 talking about NWA. Or, oh, man, I saw you on VH1 talking about TI. Or, man, you were on the E-Channel talking about Jam Master J. <laughs> oh, man, I saw you in this movie with Bill Duke. So right. it's just like, you know, I just got to keep pushing and keep getting out there and staying out there. That's that's the key, man. Right. So I guess I, I I guess I got lucky then, man. I caught you at a uh, at, at a good time, man. Where you you, you transitioned and, and allowed people an opportunity, man. I appreciate that. No, of course, man. I appreciate <laughs> you reaching out. Yeah, man, definitely. Um, I know we short on time. I, I want to talk about the book a little bit before we get out of here, man. Um, the history right. of gangster rap. What, yep. what what inspired that? I mean, I know being around it, having a love and a passion for um, hip hop, so much. And um, you have, have embodied a bunch of work, a bunch of research. Um, like, but what what inspired you to want to write this book, and why that title? Well, there's a lot of reasons. Fundamentally, Schooly D's my favorite rapper, and you know I'd been doing a radio show with Exhibit called Open Bar Radio that was on. 93.5 KD in Los Angeles from 2014 to 2016. And one day, George Hinojosa, who's Ice-T's manager, called me. He's like, yo, Soren, how come you're not doing these big rap books, man? I've known you since the 90s. You should be writing them, not these other people. And I was like, look, George, you know, I've had a couple books out, but then at the same time, I've had a lot of them fall through for whatever reason. So if you want to help me, cool, but it's not that I'm not trying so he's like, well, what are you trying to do? So then we talked about three ideas, and the one that we both agreed would be, you know, the most interesting would be the history of gangster rap because of people not understanding Schooly D's significance, people not understanding Ice-T's importance, and really showing how and why the music remains so powerful to today. And I wanted to call it the history of gangster rap because I wanted to show that the music is very important and very insightful and that the guys that make it and a couple of the women who have done stuff with it too, but it's just so powerful, so educational, so informative, and it comes from a, a place of power and pain and perseverance. And that's, you know, something I wanted to articulate in the book to not only show that the music is important, but it's also when done at its highest levels, you know, it's very intellectual, it's very informative, 
is very powerful, and it's not something to just dismiss because it has profanity or, you know, people are using the N-word or the B-word or the F-words. Like, you got to look beyond that. You right. know, look at the messages, look at what they're talking about. And, you know, like I was saying earlier with the NWA reference, the stuff that Schooly D and Ice-T and Eazy-E and NWA were talking about in, starting in 85, that stuff is still going on today in the United States and around the world. So, sadly, what they're talking about back then is still relevant, and that's why I thought it was important to do the book, was to show that, you know, if you look at the Mount Rushmore gangster rap with Ice-T, Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, and Snoop Dogg, those are four of the biggest people in entertainment, period, let alone music, let alone rap music. And to really explain how and why those guys were able to do what they do, and I, you know, was able to talk to and interview all those guys over the years, and then Snoop and Ice-T in particular for the book gave me amazing interviews, and, you know, both, you know, all of them, all four of them actually helped me promote the book in different ways, so... You know, I just thought it was very important. Man, that is, um, and you, you, you also went around too. Um, you did like a book signing and everything. Yeah, I've done a number of book events, most of them in the Los Angeles area, but I also did a big one in Maryland at the Barnes and Noble in Bowie, Maryland, which is close to where I grew up. So, you know, I'm trying to. If you got people that want to book me, get at me because I'm trying to come to every city to talk about gangster rap. Man, I love to do it. I was able to, I just did a big, I've done two big events with Bill Duke in the L.A. area, the famous writer, director, producer, actor, and then, uh, you know, I just did a speaking engagement at Los Angeles Valley College earlier this month. So, yeah, I was about you know, to ask you, do you go around and... Bring me down. <laughs> yeah, I was about to ask you that too, man. Do you go around and do any um, any seminars or anything like that? So you answered that. That's pretty cool. If anybody wanted to um, to book you or get in touch with you in any kind of way, can we put that information out there for them? Yeah, all my social media is at Soren Baker, S-O-R-E-N-B-A-K-E-R. And then, you know, hit me up through any of those and then also Unique Access Entertainment. And... You know, just get at me and we'll figure it out. All right, before you get out of here, man, and listen, you know you're gonna have to come back on here, man, because we we had to we had to kind of breeze through this because I know you got some stuff to do today. Um, you're gonna have to come back on here, but I want to ask you. I always ask my guests all the time before they get out of here. If you had a room full of uninspired people that was looking for inspiration, some uh, words of encouragement, and you had an opportunity to um, to speak to that room to uplift them and give them some form of motivation, um, what would you tell them? It's basically, man, no matter how blessed you are or how unfortunate you think you are, the main determinant of whether or not you're going to be successful is you. So you need to be the one to change your life. And it it is hard. It is difficult. And you are going to face disappointment and setbacks. And I understand and appreciate that from my own experience and then from what I've seen in my life. But the bottom line is you got to want it more than anybody else wants it for you because it's up to you ultimately. And society isn't fair. Some people are born into better families, environments, money, whatever the case. But you got to be the one, man. It's you. And there's thousands and thousands of examples now that we have the Internet 
to see, like, if you need some inspiration, you can find somebody that was in a way worse situation or that just did what you did. Huh. It's available for you to see. The model is there. Whether you want to be, you know, an architect or an engineer, a doctor, a lawyer, rapper, it doesn't matter what you want to be, a school teacher, you know, somebody that does code or somebody that designs cars. All those examples are there, whether you're black, white, rich, poor, Hispanic, Asian, whatever. They're all there, and they're all from the United States, these stories. So it's really on you, and you got to make that choice and make that decision to make other people believe in you. It's on you. Absolutely, man. Yo, I appreciate that. That was deep. Um, for the book, can we can can the book be um, purchased on um, the unique access ent dot com and um, what other what other platforms can in the book be purchased on? Well, the book is available basically at almost all retailers. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it at Barnes and Noble, both in the store and online. You can get it on Target online. And then most independent bookstores have it around the country and the world. And if they don't, you can just ask them to order it. But it's basically pretty much everywhere. The History of Gangster Rap, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, in-stores or online, Target online, Target.com. And yeah, man, just pick up a copy, man. I appreciate it. Definitely need everybody, man. All the listeners out there, new fans, old fans. Um, y'all go pick that book up, The History of Gangster Rap. Um, put out by my man Soren Baker, man. I just want to tell you thank you again, my brother, for blessing our platform with your greatness, man. And you got to come back on here again, man, and, 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 and come and show some more love, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. And uh, we'll be doing it soon. So thank you again. Absolutely. It's the Vibe Show Podcast with your boy Kano the Don, the Vibe King, and my special guest, Soren Baker. We out. All right, man. All right, brother.